Our text today, as we work our way through the summer session of the book of Psalms, is Psalm number 91. We did number 90 last week. Logical conclusions go on to 91. For some reason, they made that the next song in the Jewish hymn book. Some people believe Moses wrote this also, although we don't have any evidence of that. It's just a thought. Uh, So Psalm number 91 for our text today, rather another famous psalm, has been used in many different ways. I want to think about it today. My mother was very fond of mystery stories and detective stories. She was an avid reader. But before there was any television, she used to listen to the radio. One of her favorite radio programs was called The Shadow. Hey, somebody remembers The Shadow. <laughs> it's about a man who skulked around in secret, sort of a spy detective thing, and solved cases. And Mom always used to quote the theme from that radio program. And she would say, Who knows what evil lurks in the heart of men? The Shadow knows, right? You remember that? <laughs> Some of you remember that. Secret shadowy person who knew what others did not. Now, people used to say that I was a shadow. Of course, uh, your shadow is right there with you. Mine's right next to me all the time. I can't get rid of it, okay? Never leaves you. It's always right there. And so if you stick close to someone and follow them wherever they go, you might be called that person's shadow. People used to say that I was Uncle Ed's shadow. Wherever he went, I was there. And so the word shadow has two possible meanings in this way someone that sticks close like you're right there in a shadow but also suggests a secret follower who's a little bit mysterious in our text today there's a shadow used to explain some good behavior and also the nearness that we are going to talk about when it comes to God now I have always felt that some people think If you're a Christian, nothing bad can happen to you. Which I think is sort of a childish point of view. They think if you're a Christian, you are exempt from life's trials and troubles. So you'll be happy all the time and never have any pain or sorrow. Some people believe and they promote a Christianity that's sort of like Aladdin's lamp. You can rub it and get your wishes granted. I do not believe that that is true. Uh, That really doesn't seem to be the case with most people. There are other people who hold a pessimistic point of view and say that Christians are no different than people who refuse to believe in God. They both get cancer. They both are affected by all of life's trials. When the floodwaters rise, both of their houses are underwater. And if they're on a ship and the ship sinks, they both drown the ocean. So the question arises, is there any advantage to being a Christian? How is a Christian different from a person who rejects Jesus? So Psalm 91 gives us an optimistic view of life and explains what are the advantages of believing in Jesus. It is full of figurative language, 
which is to say things in sort of a poetic way with beautiful words. So let's see what the psalmist said and see if we can find good reason to believe in God. Psalm 91 lays out for us what we might call God's protection plan. Now here at the church, we have insurance on the building. Every year we pay our premiums. Every year they go up a little. (laughs) And for it, we're supposed to get protection for our property. A few years ago, we had that big hurricane-like wind here. Blew off almost half of the shingles on the church and even over on the house. They ended up somewhere in the next county. And so we submitted a bill for repairs to the insurance. And what they paid us <laughs> barely covered half of the replacement cost. And when we protested, like good Protestants do, uh, they smiled and said, Well, that's all you get. And that was it. Not much of a protection plan, all right? God has a much better insurance policy. For us. So here we go, Psalm 91, beginning at the first verse. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The key word here in the verse is to dwell. To dwell is to live in a permanent residence. That is, we get close to God and we stay there. We have a private and regular relationship with God. Now, a lot of people are just visitors with God. They may come once a week, spend an hour with God, and forget about Him for the next six days. Those people who only visit God are not the ones that this psalm is explaining. People who stay close to God like a shadow. In their secret lives, they spend much time with God. They're always in God's shadow, praying, talking to God, and thinking, and reading. And those people who make it their business to stay close to God, this psalm is all about those people. It is not meant for half-hearted people who follow at a distance. This is for people who dwell, he says, in the secret place close to God. Verse number two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. A refuge is a place of safety. The Iroquois National Wildlife Refuge was made as a place of safety for waterfowl. That's why they formed it. Ducks and geese are safe as long as they stay on the refuge. Soon as they leave, uh, no more guaranteed safety. It's open season. Okay, so with people, God is a refuge. Go away from God, and you go away from safety. God, he says, is also a fortress. A fort is a safe place as long as you're inside the gates. And he is, he says, my refuge, my safe place, my fortress. And then he is my God. He's my God, and I will trust in him. My friends, faith is the glue that sticks us to God. When you believe in Him, when you trust Him, 
That faith will make you close to God. I trust God with my life. I trust God with my life so I stay close to him, close enough to be his shadow. And when we trust him and stay close to him, then he does things for us. Verse 3, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Here's some of that fancy language, some of that fancy poetic things. So we begin a list of things that God does for his people who dwell close to him in his shadow. The snare of the fowler is mentioned. My grandfather was a fowler. That is, back in Norway, he used to go up in the high mountains and trap birds with a snare. That is a rope cleverly laid out of sight, and a bird will come along and get caught in the snare caught by the rope. He used to catch capercailies. Uh, the closest thing you've ever seen to a capercailie is a wild turkey. There's a bird the same size as a wild turkey, a big bird, makes a sort of nice turkey dinner. And uh, you have to be very clever to catch a capercailie in a snare. And so the idea is that we have someone who has cleverly set a trap for us, someone who's trying to fool us and deceive us and is very clever at doing it. Of course, Satan, forces of darkness, are the ones who set their traps for us, trying to lead us astray. God will point out the snare. He'll reveal the trap so you can avoid it. Stay close to God and he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, Satan's traps. There's also mentioned here a noisome pestilence. Those are words that we don't hear much anymore. In our modern terms, it would be a contagious disease. That you've heard a lot of lately, haven't you? Come in contact with it and you are sure to be infected. Sin is the contagious disease. Move away from God and get close to sin and you'll be infected with it. It's the nature of it. I can tell people who are infected with sin sometimes, they show symptoms. Bad language is a symptom of infection with sin. You get too close to it and you're infected with it. So God will come to our aid. Therefore, if we stay close to him, he will help us avoid the clever traps and stay clear of the infection of sin. Verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. It may seem odd to you to hear God described as having wings and feathers. We don't think of God really that way. Jesus himself, though, used the same analogy. He stood up on the Mount of Olives looking over the city of Jerusalem, and he said, Oh, I would have taken you under my wings, but you refused. There's an old story about a farmer who had a field, 
and it burned on a hot, dry summer day. And as he walked through the burned, charred field, he came on a dead chicken that had been killed as the fire went over it. He kicked it with his foot, and underneath it were little chicks still alive who survived the fire under the wings of the mother hen. Under the soft, downy wings, the chicks were safe. So with God, he covers us to keep us safe. He gives us truth, he says. Use truth, he says, as a shield and buckler. Those are all words that mean armor. So one more thing he gives us for our own protection is an armor which is the truth of God's Word. It keeps us safe from evil. All a part of God's protection plan. Now verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noon. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. We have four very specific things. He said night terrors and night diseases and daytime arrows and daytime destruction all tied together in one sentence, which is, Thou shalt not be afraid of these things. Fear is a prison. It grabs a hold of us, and we get filled up with fear. And Jesus said it over and over again in his lifetime, Don't be afraid. He said it over and over again. When his disciples saw him walking across the water on the Sea of Galilee at night towards the boat, said they were terrified. And the first thing he said, it's me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When he rose from the dead, his first words to the people he met, don't be afraid. It's me. God doesn't want his children to go around in fear all the time. He says, darkness has its fears. Darkness has its own fears. I'm often up at 3 a.m. in the morning, a habit I find unable to break. (laughs) I go downstairs and sit in the dark, and I hear noises. I hear the wind blowing the door and the creaking of the hinges. Now, sounds I never noticed in the daytime. Never heard that sound in the daytime. Something about night, isn't there? Something about night and darkness. It creates a different feeling. It's a fearful time. Or, there's also, he said, danger in the daylight. An arrow flies through the air quite silently. You can't hear it coming. The dangerous things that it brings causes fear, and fear cripples us. My friends, if we're going to trust God 
and be under his shadow. He needs us to learn not to be afraid. God's children must learn not to be filled with or frozen by fear. It's another part of his program. Again, verse 7, A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because he has made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. Therefore shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh to thy dwelling. He said, you might see a thousand people fall by your side. He said, you might see 10,000 people fall by your right hand. He said, why are they falling? He said, it is the reward of the wicked. It is the reward of the wicked. If... We go back to the original things we said. If a Christian and a person who rejects God are on a sinking ship, and if they both drown, the question is, are they the same? The answer is no. They're completely different. The man who rejects God and refuses to accept Jesus, if he drowns, he goes to his own judgment. He goes to what they call here his own punishment, the reward of the wicked. That's what happens when he dies. That's not what happens to the other one. The believer goes to heaven and to God's presence and the treasures laid up for him there in heaven are his rewards. They both drowned in the ocean, but they are not the same. So God will deliver us from evil. He will not let us be punished for our sins if we've asked him to forgive us. Stay close to God. He will never let evil overtake you. You will escape judgment. You'll be safe. And that's a wonderful thing. Here's some more just thrown in for our pleasure. Verse number 11. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in thy hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. People generally believe that we have a guardian angel who watches over us. But that's not what he says here. He said, you got lots of them. You ain't got one. You got a whole bunch of them. And the angels are watching over us. And if you walk in God's way, you will have a host of angels to keep your feet on the right path. Remember old Balaam on his donkey. I'm going down the wrong path. And the angel came and said, you can't do this. Can't go that way. Guiding you and protecting you as you walk with God, part of his protection plan. Angels, verse 13. Thou shalt tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample underfoot. Three things mentioned a lion and an adder, which is a snake, and a dragon. Three things mentioned. Satan, 
is described in the Bible as a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. In the Garden of Eden, you remember, he was a snake. They said he was more subtle than any other thing. He was a snake deceiving Eve, telling lies. That was the form he took there. The book of Revelations, he's called that old dragon. So here in this verse is a lion and a snake and a dragon. Jesus was sent, was promised he would crush the serpent with his heel. Peter wrote to us, submit yourself to God. Get close. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Stay close to God and he'll keep Satan at bay. We need that. We need that, my friend. Now in Psalm 91, in the last verse of this song, we hear God's voice. It's different. Now at this point, God begins to speak. Not the psalmist anymore. It's God. God takes over to tell us exactly what he promises to do for his children who stay under his shadow. Verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God says, you make a decision. You're going to make a choice. You're going to say, I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to make Jesus the center of my heart. The emotions that build up in me, I find myself drawn to Jesus, called to him, enamored with him, Fascinated by him, the highest calling of the human heart is to love Jesus. There's that beautiful old song we sing, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus is now. My favorite verse is the second one. I love thee because thou hast first loved me. Purchase my pardon on Calvary's tree. And the best line in the whole song, I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever... I love thee, my Jesus, it's now. You love God, and he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He will deliver you from the contagion of sin, from the fear of darkness and danger, from the punishment of sin, from the wrong roads, and from the devil in any form. Love is the guarantee that locks in God's protection plan. 14b again, 
I will set him on high because he has known my name. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him by his names? Has he been to you a wonderful counselor? Has he been to you a prince of peace? Has he been to you the bread of life feeding your hungry soul? Has he been Emmanuel, God with us? Has he been Jehovah Jireh, my supplier? Has he been the Lamb of God, tender and sweet? Has he been the Lion of Judah, powerful and overcoming? Do you know him by his name? He says, if you know me, well enough to use my name, I will honor you. Wow. I didn't think we deserved any of that, huh? It's a good thing to be one of God's children. You can call on him. He says, call on me and I'll answer. I will be with you during your troubles. Why are we worried about troubles? We got a promise. He said, I'll be with you. I'll be there. He'll give you a full life. He said long life. Long enough to satisfy the desires of your heart. I got to say, Jesus certainly takes good care of his children. I highly recommend that you do more than just drop in for an occasional visit. I recommend you move and get close to God until you dwell with him in the secret place of your heart. He'll give you such protection, such guidance. You'll live a life free from fear and sin and the devil's snare. And yes, there's a wonderful infinite advantage to believing in God. May you trust in him and get glued close to his heart. Live under his wings and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And that, my friends, is where you can experience God's protection plan. And you'll never say, boy, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> like we said about our insurance. You can always trust God. May God bless you as you dwell in his secret place. So we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm. The encouragement of it. As we know as we go through life, we can be under a special hand. The closer we get to you, the safer we are. As Levi saying, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breath. That's what we want to be, Lord. And we ask that you help us to take advantage of these things that are offered. Make sure that we are close to you through all our lives, remaining faithful to you, and then living under that blessed hand that takes such good care. Protect us, we ask. Watch over us in your loving kindness that we might love you back and be honored because we know you. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, I'd like to turn your hymn books, if you will. Hymn number 298, standing as we sing, Under His Wings. Number 298, standing as we sing, Under His Wings.
enjoyment of being under your wings, of being protected by you, of drawing nearer to you, speak to our hearts that are often hard, speak to those of us who need to keep drawing nearer, help us to see that enjoyment and that love and that safety that we know we get from being in your arms that safety from being protected from the snare of the fowler, which so often seems to get at us. Watch over us, Lord. Protect us from the evil things that are out there that would draw us away. May we draw nearer and closer to you each day. We ask for your help in this time. May our hearts ever be thinking of you. We ask for protection and watch care over all these folks. Bring them back to this place with a great desire to learn. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 